Who does not love a good party? I think all of us enjoy a good party from time to time. But I'm not talking about the kind of party where you schedule it or where you send out invitations. I'm not talking about the kind of party where there's confetti or, or balloons and streamers. It's not a birthday party. It's more of a pity party. And I think we all know about pity parties and how pity parties, man, they can come on us so fast, seemingly with... Uh, no real anticipation, <laughs> no real planning. All of a sudden, here we are, trapped and wallowing in the misery of our own sorrows and shortcomings and sadness. And we usually take whoever's closest to us, don't we? Whoever's with an earshot, they get to be a part of this uh, big party with us. You know, if there was anybody who probably had reason to throw himself a really, really awesome pity party, it would have been the Apostle Paul. You know, for years he had been in jail on a false accusation, and now he's finally on his way to Rome. And we talked a couple weeks ago about this huge storm that he encountered there in Acts 27. And you know, from there you go to Acts 28. In Acts 28, they find themselves shipwrecked on Malta. And while it was really good, everybody survived the shipwreck. Man, poor old Paul. He was just trying to gather wood for the fire. And all of a sudden, this snake comes out of nowhere and like latches onto him. And he's having to shake the viper off into the fire to get it away from him. He's had a pretty rough time. And then even after all that, he finds himself finally finally in Rome. And in Rome, he had been put on like a form of house arrest where he was chained, literally chained, to a Roman guard 24-7. They say that the guards went in shifts of about four to six hours. So every four to six hours, a new Roman guard was coming in and being chained to the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being chained to a complete stranger every single day? Can you imagine being that close to someone 24 hours a day? I don't know about you, but I like my privacy on occasion. And I enjoy my me time. <laughs> the Apostle Paul had no me time. And the Apostle Paul wasn't on like just having a series of bad days. Like he's in the middle of about a series of... A, a really rough four years is really what he's in the middle of. Where in the middle of these four years, he's not able to do any of the things that he is the most passionate about. He's not able to go to the synagogues and to preach and teach. And he's not able to go on missionary journeys and to establish congregations. None of the things that he just loves so much and that he is so passionate about, just taken from him. Just like that. Man. This poor guy. Surely if anybody had a reason to sit down and say, man, y'all, life's not fair. You just don't understand. You don't know what I'm going through. That would have been the Apostle Paul. But it wasn't. 
You see, in the middle of all this, he's writing the letter to the church in Philippi, the Philippian letter that we know. And you spend a little time in that short letter and you know something you're not going to find? You're not going to find a hint of hopelessness, pessimism, or negativity. It's not there. And this man is chained to a Roman guard 24-7. This man's freedom has been taken from him. This man's livelihood, this man's life is hanging in the balance. How could he still be filled with joy? Well, he tells us. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 1. Paul would write in verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the Gospel. Now, now let's pause here just a moment, because don't you know the very first time the, the church in Philippi, they read these words, and these words really sunk in I want you to know what has happened to me has really served to do what? To advance the Gospel? Did he say that right? You know, it's football season, and I love football season. And one thing I know about football season is you want your best players on the field. Because if you want a chance of scoring, you've got to have your best players on the field. I don't know of a better player than the Apostle Paul. He's in prison. He, he's not able to be out doing all the things he's always done. And I mean, surely the cause of Christ is really going to suffer in this moment? No. The Gospel was advancing even in his imprisonment. That, that word advance, by the way, it's a military term, which means to go places it has never gone before. You see, we would see later on in the book of Philippians that the Gospel had even gotten to the household of Caesar. I'm going to go over there and read that real quick. Philippians 4.22. It says, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. You see, because of these difficult circumstances that the Apostle Paul found himself in, the Gospel was still advancing. And what did that do? Oh man, that brought the Apostle Paul great joy. And Paul knew that where he was was exactly where God wanted him to be. In verse 16, he said, I am put here for the defense of the Gospel. Listen, not every difficult situation in life that we find ourselves in is as a result of the Lord. However, there are times where we find ourselves in difficult life situations, and Scripture shows us this over and over again, that in those difficult life situations, God will allow us to be there so that the cause of Christ may advance. God will allow us to be there so that our faith, our faith can be tested? Has your faith been tested during COVID-19? have you done on that test? Are you listening at home? How have you done with this COVID-19 test? 
Because I'm going to tell you something, church, if, if we're going through life, living life like normal, or at least somewhat normal, but then we're not coming together to be with the church, and we're, we're trying to put the blame on this thing called COVID, oh, we're really failing the test. And souls, souls hang in the balance. Listening, not all suffering is God's will, but living out God's will more times than not involves suffering. How was it that Jesus was able to overcome sin and death? By having a rosy great time on the cross. No. He overcame sin and death through the suffering that came. The cruelty, the hardship, the heartache. He endured all the pain that came with the cross. Sometimes we find ourselves in life situations that the one thing we want is out. <laughs> we want it to be over. We want it to be done. We want to be able to move on. We want a new start. We want a new beginning. But have you ever stopped to think maybe you are exactly where God wants you to be? You want out. He wants you to be faithful. You want a new start. He wants you to live for Him. I know. I know that that may not exactly be the good news that you were really hoping to hear this morning. But it's truth. And the reality is, the quicker we come to accept this truth, the quicker we will be able to mature out of those pity parties and experience a lot more of the joy of the Lord. You see, whether or not the Gospel is advanced in the midst of our circumstance, whatever that life circumstance may be, is dependent upon what we do during those hard times. Listen, there is, there is a time and a place and a need to share and to express heartache in this life. Because this life, this life is so, so very hard. And I know that some are going through some very difficult times right now. Whether it's with a job or a marriage or, or with health or with going through grief as you grieve the loss of a loved one. And the last thing I want anybody to do is to leave here today feeling guilty for feeling sad. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to go through those, those moments and those feelings it's a good thing to share the heartache and the pain. It's not good to suppress it. We, do, we don't need to suppress it, okay? That is the last thing we need to do. However, if we allow ourselves to get trapped by our pain, it just becomes an endless source of pity parties, doesn't it? An endless supply of, of pain and sorrow and heartache. There is a time. There is a place. But there's also a point where we begin to move forward. I have no doubt the Apostle Paul had his moments where he was down. I have no doubt that he had moments when he felt discouraged. But instead of wallowing in those moments of, of, of injustice and uncertainty, what does he do? 
he tells the guards about Jesus. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine how crazy they must have thought he was? Here is this guy who's chained to me for hours a day. Y'all, he won't hush talking about this Jesus being king. He's obviously out of his mind because if he had any sense at all, he would know this is what got him in here. Like it was this kind of talk that got him in jail in the first place. When's this guy going to hush? Listen to what Paul wrote. He says, It has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest, my imprisonment is for Christ. All the guards know. Anybody else who will give me an ear knows. They know why I'm here and who I am here for. Apostle Paul, even in the midst of the sorrow, even in the midst of the uncertainty, he kept his focus on Jesus. His focus was on the mission instead of on the circumstances. He's full of joy. Full of joy even though his freedom's been taken from him. Again, his life hangs in the balance. He doesn't know what's going to happen. Is he going to live or die? Are they going to kill him? Let him live? He doesn't know. He doesn't know what the outcome is going to be. But yet he's full of joy because the Gospel, the gospel continues to advance even though he's sitting in a prison cell. Pity parties, pity parties can be replaced so quickly by the joy of celebration when we finally begin to put our, our focus on Jesus, when we finally get to take great joy in seeing the, the, the Gospel spread and seeing people obediently surrendering their lives to Jesus, you know, a lot of times we, we find ourselves in very difficult life circumstances. <laughs> and we spend an awful lot of emotional time and, and, and a lot of thinking brain power trying to figure out how to get out of this situation. What do I need to do to make myself happy? That's the word we typically use, right? What do I need to do to change my circumstances so that I can make my life happy whether once more or for the very first time? And what are we doing? We should be in those moments thinking about how can I, even in this difficult circumstance, how can I, even in my hardship in this moment, how can I continue to further the cause of Christ? How can I continue to, to help the Gospel to, to be spread, the Gospel to advance, even though I'm going through this very difficult, heart-wrenching time in this life? They're two different approaches, two different mindsets. One where you're thinking completely about yourself and one where you're not. You're either selfish or you're selfless. The selfish mindset's going to lead you to misery over and over and over again. The selfless mindset, that's the path to joy. Over and over and over again. So if you want to find true joy in your life, then your life can no longer be about you. Let's continue on to verse 14. Paul said, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, 
are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Don't you know? Don't you know the authorities probably thought to themselves, all right, we have this, this Paul. You know, he used to be Saul. Now they call him Paul. We've got him in prison. Surely this movement's going to stop now. Like, we're going to be able to squash this. Like, we're, we're tired of hearing about this Jesus. We're tired of the followers. Look, if we can, if we can get him and keep him kind of quiet and away from everybody, maybe, maybe that'll put all this to rest. And it had the opposite impact. Those who weren't in chains, those who weren't in prison the way Paul was, they felt motivated, didn't they? They were more bold to speak about Jesus knowing they could end up in the same place Paul was. Shouldn't that inspire us? Shouldn't that inspire us to sacrifice for the sake of the Gospel? Shouldn't that inspire us to look at our own life and to reflect and say, what can I do? Sometimes, sometimes we want to make big, big impacts on the world around us. And we're always looking for big things to do. We can start small. This week, invite somebody to homecoming on Sunday. A- encourage a brother or sister in Christ to come home. Invite a friend, invite a family member to come and to be with you. And you say, oh, I don't know about that. Is it worth the risk? Yes. Is it risky? Yes. Are you going to be thrown in prison like Paul? No. So it's the very least that you can do. May they tell you no? Yep. May they laugh in your face and say you're crazy? Yeah, yeah. May they say, yeah, I'll be there, and then not show up? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it worth it? Yes. This is a wonderful opportunity to come home. Sometimes we allow hard times. We allow them to make us negative and and cynical. And, And you know what happens in those moments? Our faith begins to waver. And, I, and our positive emotional energy, it like, if it's here, you know, when we find ourselves becoming negative or cynical during those hard times or critical, it's like we just go, ooh. I mean, like all the negative, all the positive emotional energy just drains right out of us. But it doesn't stop with us, does it? It has that same impact on everybody around us. When, when we're not full of faith the way we're supposed to be full of faith, and when we're always in the midst of our own pity party, oh, what was me? What are we doing? Totally unintentionally, but what are we doing? We, we're just sucking everybody else dry of their emotional energy too. We're to be a people of faith. It doesn't mean that we won't hurt. It doesn't mean we won't experience pain or suffering. We will. We do. But even in the midst of hurt, Because of our faith, there's hope. Even when there's loss, we know there's resurrection. I don't know of anything that should give us a greater hope than that. Paul was also filled with joy because people 
more and more people were, were sharing the gospel, as you see here in verse 14. But you know what? There were even those sharing the gospel with impure motives. He would go on to write, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Why? Why we do what we do is much more important than what we do. Why do we serve others? Why do we come together to worship? Why do we do good things in our life? Why? Is it because we love Jesus and His church so much that, that we just we can't wait to serve and can't wait to do? Or is it because it just makes us personally feel good? Or is it because we really want other people around us to look at us and think maybe we're more spiritual than what we are? Or, or is it because we just kind of feel obligated to somebody else to, to be here and to do things? You see, why we do what we do is much more important than even what we do. Why should be something that we wrestle with a lot. That we really take time to reflect upon our own self or our own life and say, but, but why? Why am I here? Why am I serving? Why am I living for, for the Lord? Is it, is it is it for Him or for me? And if it's not really for Him, it won't last. Again, that's centered in selfishness when my why is anything else but Him. And it won't sustain. But if my why is because of Him, we will persevere. We will endure we will get through to the other side of the storm. We'll see the other side of the heartache. <laughs> we'll be more prepared for the next hardship. Because that's the thing with storms. There's always, always the next one. Well, let's go back to our passage just for a moment. Because I want you to notice something here before I close. What is it that Paul said? Paul said that there are these people who are preaching they're preaching from envy and rivalry. They're doing it out of selfish ambition. Thinking to afflict Him. They're wanting to hurt Him. They're wanting to make His situation worse than it already was. How? How do you think that made Paul feel? To know that there were, there were fellow workers out there who are actually trying to make it harder on Him. Man, don't you know that really discouraged Him? Don't you know that really disgusted Him? Don't you know He must have really, really found Himself getting ready to, well, to pity party it up really big because there were people out there who were proclaiming Christ without the right motive. I can't answer for Paul, but Paul can answer for himself. 
verse 18, he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. There were those who were out there preaching the Gospel with pure motives. There were those who were out there preaching the Gospel with impure motives. The Apostle Paul from his prison cell says, y'all, I'm just thankful the Gospel's being preached. It brings me joy. I rejoice. Because Jesus, Jesus is being talked about. Christ is being proclaimed. I know that they're trying to hurt me. I I know that they're trying to bring me harm. I know they're trying to afflict me in some way. But I'm so thankful Christ is being proclaimed. I rejoice. All that mattered to Paul was that Jesus was being preached. Christ and and Christ crucified. And, And because of that, he rejoiced. And when the advancement of the Gospel becomes the most important thing to us, when our focus is on Jesus as it should be, when our our spiritual priorities are in line the way that they should be, even in the midst of hardship and heartache, there is joy. But until our spiritual priorities are what they should be, until Jesus is the focus as He should be, until our commitment to Him is as it should be, then you know what? With every single hardship and heartache will come pity party after pity party after pity party that nobody wants to attend. Joy. Joy is found in the cause of Christ. Joy is found knowing that the Gospel is advancing. That it's ever moving forward. And you know why, don't you? Because it's eternal. Oh, if we've talked about this, we've talked about it a bazillion times up here. You may find a moment of happiness in the physical things of this life They are temporary. And you know, as I know, everything new gets old. And because of that, we're always looking for the next thing. And we're always out shopping for the next thing that's going to make us happy. But That's not joy. Don't ever get those two things confused. Happiness is, is temporary at best. Joy. Joy is eternal. Joy is founded in the things of God. Joy is found when we're keeping our eyes set on things above, not on the things of this earth. Do you want joy today? In the midst of the heartache, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the trial, do you want heart that, that joy? It doesn't mean you're not going to suffer. It doesn't mean you're not going to feel pain. But even in the hurt, there is hope. There is hope in Christ. Because He, He is eternal. 
and He provides the way to life everlasting. Maybe this morning you've never obeyed the Gospel of Christ. Maybe you've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. I want you to know that's where this journey to joy, that's where that really begins. When, when you know that you have finally laid aside all the burden of your past sin, that God has removed it from you, and that by the power of God you've been resurrected out of this watery grave of baptism to live a new life. He says you're going to be a new creation. That's where that begins. Or, or maybe as a child of God, maybe you've just been so focused on the disappointment. You've been so focused on the discouragement. You've been so focused on the worry. You've been so focused on the, on the things of this life that you've just let it rob you of your joy. Lay the pity parties aside so that you can once again know the joy of the Lord. As a child of God, if there's something that we can pray with you or for you about today, we'd be honored to. If we can help you in any way, won't you come as we stand and say,